and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 23. We've spent the last few weeks looking at the uh, story of the passion of Jesus and covered a lot of the Good Friday story. But I want to uh, pick up where we were last week in verse 26 and then we'll read on from there. So Luke chapter 23 verse 26 as they led him away they seized simon a cyrenian who was coming in from the country and laid the cross on him to carry behind jesus a large crowd of people followed him including women who were mourning and lamenting him but turning to them jesus said daughters of jerusalem do not weep for me but weep for yourselves and your children look the days are coming when they will say blessed are the women without children the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, uh, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself, if he, this is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom and he said to him truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three because the sun's light failed the curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle and jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i entrust my spirit saying this he breathed his last when the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, This man really was righteous. All the crowds that had gathered for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, went home, striking their chests. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. There was a good and righteous man named Joseph, a member of the Sanhedrin, who had not agreed with the plan and action. He was from Arimathea, a Judean town, and was looking forward to the kingdom of God. He approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Taking it down, he wrapped it in fine linen and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock where no one had ever been placed. It was a preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes 
and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Well, Luke presents us with so many reactions and responses to who Jesus is in these few short paragraphs as he's nailed to the cross. The sun stops shining as if the whole of creation is mourning the death of its creator and the veil in the temple is ripped in two as heaven opens the way for humanity to enter. But this morning I want us to consider the human responses to Jesus as he's nailed there and lifted high for all to see. Luke calls it a spectacle. So who is this Jesus? Well, we see both the Jewish leaders and the soldiers mocking Jesus. And given the relationships involved here, it's actually quite perverse. And I think Luke puts them in there together deliberately. These are the very leaders who were actually looking for their Messiah. The leaders who actually hate the Romans who are joining in the mocking. And these are the soldiers that Jesus has just asked his father to forgive. They say, save yourself if you are truly the king of the Jews. Of course, what they don't understand is that because Jesus is king of the Jews, he can't come down from the cross. He can't save himself. He's here to save them. He's here to save his people. He's the king who must die to save them and to save you and to save me. Of course, one of the criminals joins in the mockery uh, in his pain and, and fear and bitterness. And you've got to wonder what drives someone to pile it on to a fellow victim rather than on to his executioners. Maybe it's a, a final desperate hope. Could this maybe be who he says he is, but why doesn't he do anything? Or is it just a man railing against the universe and Jesus is as good enough a target as anyone. Jesus can't do anything to him. The fact is people in pain often cause pain. But then the other criminal turns and rebukes his, his comrade in death and somewhere in the depths of his suffering he manages to see something in Jesus that draws out faith from deep within him. This, this is a man who's not even looking for redemption. It's like he's just given up. There's nothing for him. He knows he should be there. He knows he deserves to die. He's where he should be. But what's scandalously unjust is that this man next to him is also on the cross. This is happening to the Messiah, his Messiah. How does he figure this out? Somehow he intuitively grasps what's happening. That Jesus is dying for a reason. And he seems to be the only person who gets it. And so all he says is, not save me. Not, may, may I be resurrected with you on the final day, but just remember me when you come into your kingdom. Somehow this criminal without any hope in this life and apparently in the next 
believes that one way or another Jesus is going to come down off the cross and establish his kingdom. In his dying moments, does he remember the prophecy in Isaiah that the Messiah would be numbered among the transgressors? Or is it that through the blood and the noise, does he simply see something in Jesus' words and, and Jesus' demeanor? In any case, he believes. And Jesus' next words are more than he could ever have hoped for. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. You're going to die, and I'm going to die, but it's going to be okay. And this is precisely why Jesus is dying. So this man can have life. So you and I can have life. As Jesus breathes his last, the sun goes out or seems to go out. We actually don't know what caused the darkness. It could not have been an eclipse because Passover always happens at a, a full moon. So the sun and the moon are on opposite sides of the earth. may simply be clouds gathering over the land it may be something more supernatural than that but whatever it is the onlookers can't help but notice how uncanny this is whether the sun supernaturally dims or whether the clouds cover the land just as Jesus is dying this this is a supernatural event And this event is enough to touch the centurion's heart. I wonder if just a few hours previously, was he one of the soldiers that had been mocking Jesus? Was he one of the soldiers that scourged Jesus? Or was he just a stander-by, knowing as a leader that sometimes you have to let your soldiers uh, let out a little bit of aggression and, and this guy is just a condemned criminal anyway? But whatever he has thought of Jesus up to this moment, now he sees the way Jesus dies. And he sees the way the heavens react. And he knows that there's something bigger going on in the death of this Jew. Whoever Jesus was, he was a righteous enough man that there'd be a portent in the heavens. Because we have no way of knowing what happens next in the life of the centurion. But I like to think that he became a believer. But in this moment in in Luke's narrative, he, he represents the Gentiles. Jesus is dying for everyone. Even the Gentiles, this Gentile at least, glorifies God. And even you and I glorify God when we believe. Something touches the hearts of the crowd as well. A few hours ago, the the crowd was baying and jeering for Jesus' blood. And now Luke says they go home beating their breasts as they lament at how Jesus has died. Something is wrong. Who is this man? Was he a prophet after all? And as these events unfold, Jesus disciples watch from a distance broken joseph uh, who's a jewish leader immediately takes charge of jesus body and this is another unexpected response we haven't heard of joseph of arimathea up till now 
He's a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, remembering that although Luke says that Joseph was against it, it was the Sanhedrin that had had Jesus crucified. Luke says Joseph didn't agree with the verdict, didn't agree to Jesus' death. But I wonder, was he silent? Was it just he stood back? Did he voice opposition? Or maybe he was deliberately excluded from the meeting. No one sent Joseph the memo. We don't know. But he's there now, tending to Jesus. And, and the women follow as Joseph takes Jesus' body to the tomb. So it's unlikely they know Joseph. Uh, Joseph is a part of the aristocracy. He's a secret believer, we're told, and they're just Galilean peasants from a different part of the country altogether, different strata of society. But Luke is careful to mention that they, they pay attention to where Jesus' body is buried so they can come back and anoint it properly. And, you know, this is a beautiful scandal that Luke presents here. Jesus' inner circle, his disciples, his 12, his closest compatriots, one who's killed himself by now because he's betrayed Jesus. Where are they? Where are the rest? They fall apart. They're, they're not here. They're, they're watching from a distance. While Jesus' purported enemy buries him, gives him some dignity in death or his body some dignity in death, and the women attend to him. On one hand, it's probably women's work. On the other hand, Luke has this way of, of elevating the women in the story because women were nobodies in that society. You'd expect, if, if you were making up a story, you'd expect it be the, the disciples to be the heroes in, in that society. But they're nowhere to be seen and, and you get these people we wouldn't expect in the middle of the story and what we see with them is that apparently Jesus mission has failed no one was expecting the Messiah to die the Messiah didn't die he conquered and yet even in his death these people attend to him they're outsiders they're out unworthy they're devoted and they're a real example for us of, of worship and devotion so jesus once asked his disciples who the people said he was and they gave all sorts of of answers some thought he was a prophet some elijah some john the baptist and then jesus asked his disciples what about you who do you say i am and the disciples say the messiah and when Jesus had asked them that question, he was at the top of his, of his game, as Andy said. It, it's prior, just on the cusp of coming in to Jerusalem. Hopes are high. They're expecting big things. And it's easy to believe and it's easy to clear Jesus when things are going well. But on this day, they scatter. On this day, Jesus is seen as an imposter. A failed prophet to some. But to a select few, he's, he's a beloved, broken dream. And to others, they just simply can't give an answer. 
We know something's happened here, but we don't know what. But the truest responses come from the most unlikely of people. From those women and from Joseph who, in this act of devotion, worship Jesus despite what's happening. And the thief on the cross. To the thief on the cross, somehow he is king. He is Messiah. And isn't it just telling that the people who have the truest insight into who Jesus is and the truest responses are the least likely? And yet, it's so diverse as well. You've got a wealthy leader and these nobodies, a dying criminal, some powerless women. And yet they love Jesus and they're lifted up in the story. And the women, as we'll see on Sunday, will continue to be lifted up. Who do you say he is as he's up there on the cross well, may we love him in the same way. Thanks.